You're listening to Threads Radio. My name's Luke Fraser, and this is The Tonic. Thank you. 
that has a design logic and energy that are, well, pretty satisfying, no? That was Perpetuum Mobile, or Perpetual Motion, written in 2006 by Jonas Tamalonis from Domatonis in southern Lithuania and a key figure in their post-war generation of composers. He's written widely with something in the order of 300 pieces under his belt these days, many of them focusing on his interests in choir, the accordion, and the Spanish guitar. Less overtly lyrical, pictorial, or elemental perhaps than the works of some of his Lithuanian contemporaries, his music is bright, tightly constructed, and rhythmically agile. And a lot of it seems to be aimed at something of a synthesis between Lithuanian folk music and wider contemporary styles, be that Bach, Ligeti, American minimalism, or the music and wider culture of Spain, for which he holds a particular affection. And there's an emphasis on polyphonic writing, the setting of multiple synchronous melodies weaving in and out of each other, along with a pretty neoclassical sensibility, both of which come out so well in this piece. It was performed by the Corona Guitar Quartet. They are Christian Gantris, Volker Zimmermann, Leopoldo Saracino, and Esther Polly. In the album, Jonas Tamalonis, Selected Compositions for Guitars, was released on Albany in 2006.
That is taken from a quite extraordinary album containing two pieces, the first of which you heard the first movement of there, and it's a piece that has grown to take on an almost totemic significance within Lithuanian music. It's called Last Pagan Rites, and it was written in 1978 by Paronius Kutevicius, who died recently in 2021, I think, having written numerous instrumental and vocal works inspired by ancient Lithuanian pre-Christian polytheistic traditions. He's been variously described as a shaman drawing audiences into his rites and a cultural archaeologist who uses contemporary tools to reconstruct the forgotten artifacts of ancient civilizations. It's perhaps the most iconic amongst his pieces, sitting within an archaic-themed oratorio group of four works, including 1970s pantheistic oratorio and 1983s from the Yotbingian Stone, a movement of which I'll be playing to close out this show. Scored for chorus, organ, and four wooden folk horns, and set to a text by Lithuanian poet Sigitas Gida, with words imitating folk song and characterized by endlessly repeating invocations to nature. It has a ritualistic ancestral character encompassing Baltic history and prehistory as the singers recite mythic invocations to the Medvigalis hill, the serpent, the oak tree, and the grasshopper in the movement you heard there, with its short repeating and layering choral cells that build and phase together, whilst the notes from the organ and horns drone and mimic cathedral bells. It's been called reminiscent of Sutatines, traditional Lithuanian multi-part songs, but he also uses indeterminacy as layers are performed freely and rhythmically independent of each other during performance. His style has been called pagan minimalism, and whilst the latter of those two terms has been subject to over-application to the point where it's really useful, the combining of them here does get to something of a truth in his music, which stems in part from the ancient Lithuanian music sources he employs, and which are really in themselves proto-minimalist. Minimalism was, it seems, around a long time before minimalism. And it seems to me also, at least, that the significance of this piece and others by him is in no small part due to that uncanny superposition of the ancient and the modern, something that speaks to us as an audience today, and something that in a general sense, I think, is going to continue to play an increasingly important role within music and the arts as time and technology march on. That's performed by the Edija Chamber Choir. They were conducted by Romualdus Grazinis. The organ was played by Renata Mosincute Lessier. And the wooden folk horns were played by Arvidus Jankus, Raminus Strolis, Algeridis Jeremski, and Danius Petrochionis. The album Last Pagan Rites from the Jotvingian Stone was released by the Music Information Centre Lithuania that's MIC Lithuania, in 2019. Thank you. 
That's really fun. It's called Libai, and it's off a great new release by Jonas Jokornis, going under the alias of Robotic Folk. He's a genre-skipping composer whose portfolio includes chamber and orchestral pieces alongside electronic music, multimedia, and collaborative projects. He's also an erstwhile member of the Disc Orchestra, an electronic music collective which was active through the 2010s 
and which utilized a combination of high and low tech, CD players, stopwatches, circuit bent synths, and so on, and which was a key fixture in the Lithuanian experimental scene. Now gone solo, we have his debut release, simply called Volume 1, and coming with the subtitle Artifacts of Human Civilization in Robotic Folklore. According to the liner notes, it imagines a dystopian future long after the end of our time, where robots reinvent and reuse the leftovers of human musical heritage left in the remains. New robotic folk spontaneously emerges from the ruins, sung by synthetic indigenous programs that evoke the history of our music-making ancestors. All of which seems not a little timely, even more or less literally descriptive in view of all the recent brouhaha surrounding AI. Yes, it's coming for your synths and drum machines as well. Anyhow, in the meantime, sit back, pour yourself something strong, and enjoy the last works of organic creation before we're finally all put out to pasture. That album, Volume 1, was released on LOM in 2022. Not allowed to spell. Not allowed to 
quite mesmerizing, and you will never guess the title. Yes, that's Not Allowed, written in 2019 by Mantilus Launus Pranunus. He's a young composer, trumpet player, pianist, and vocalist who writes for film and theatre alongside undertaking commissions such as this one. It was initiated by the Lithuanian State Choir, simply called Choir Vilnius, in 2018 as part of a program going under the name Laboratory for Young Creators, and its aim was to open up the brilliant, if sometimes rather conservative, Lithuanian choral tradition to new influences and to try new directions, in particular those utilising sound, interdisciplinary collaboration, multimedia, and differing approaches to spatialization. It was a six-month creative process in which the selected composers had the opportunity to use the choir as a laboratory tool. Always on hand, it could be utilized in finding out live which ideas worked. And this piece definitely does for me. I love the ambiguous blending of the choir with both pre-recorded and live electronic manipulation. Earlier we hear the scored overlapping and smearing of the various vocal entries at various tempi, augmentation and diminution if you're being fancy in music circles. But as the piece progresses and builds, I found myself questioning what is live and what is pre-recorded and where exactly things start to tilt more from one to the other. It's a bold, or just foolhardy move you might say, to add additional reverb to a choir in a large space containing natural reverb all of its own. But I'm guessing that is part of the point of this piece, and the fact that it comes off is in no doubt due to the period of gestation in situ that the project must have afforded him. It's not really something you could just put down on paper and then turn up to the gig with. And that text by Mantelus Launus Planunus himself, is it ironically secular in its setting, as appears may be the case at the outset? Is it some group therapeutic process? Or is it something else altogether by the time we reach the end? That was performed by Choir Vilnius. They were conducted by Arturus Dambrauskas, and the soprano was Justina Casignetti Svestare. The album Circle Ending was released by MIC Lithuania in 2022.
to Mexico then. That was the second movement, Lento, of Carlos Chavez's String Quartet Number no. 3, written in 1946. From Mexico City, he's a giant of classical music within the country, active as a composer, conductor, theorist, teacher, and journalist, as well as being the founder and director of the Mexican Symphony Orchestra. After the Mexican Revolution in the 1910s, he became one of the first exponents of Mexican nationalist music, writing ballets and other works based on Aztec themes. But he also passed through romantic and then highly modernist and experimental phases before returning to traditional genres of string quartet, symphony and concerto in the 1930s with a neoclassical style which owes a fair bit to Stravinsky, I'd say. That quartet is probably his most highly regarded. The outer movements bounce along with a great sense of rhythmic energy, whilst the central movement that you heard there has some lovely, but at times quite unpredictable harmonic turns that kept me guessing as to what next at each point. The recording there, by members of Southwest Chamber Music, earned the Grammy for its trouble, and it's part of a four-volume retrospective of his complete chamber works. It's called Carlos Chavez, Complete Chamber Music, Volume 4, and it's released on Cambria Master Recordings in 2006.
That's just brilliantly strange and written way back in 1922. It's called Preludio a Colón. The Colón there is Christopher Columbus, I think. And it was written by Julian Carrillo, a Mexican composer, conductor, violinist, and musical theorist known for developing a theory of microtonal music, which he dubbed Sonido Trece, the 13th sound. 13th being employed poetically, I think, because it enabled musicians to go beyond the 12 equal divisions of the octave in Western equal temperament. He developed the system whilst experimenting with his violin, striking on the ingenious idea of using a razor blade to stop the E string between the positions for the notes G and A, and so managing to create 16 audibly differentiable divisions within this single tone. He somewhat modestly described it as a system that will be the beginning and end and point of departure of a new musical generation which will transform everything. Yeah, it never caught on. While some loyalists were enthusiastic, others attacked or indifferent to the idea. But whilst it's easy to smile at a certain degree of hubris, he was an absolute pioneer in this sense. He developed the system way back in 1895, well in advance of US experimentalists such as Harry Parch, Henry Cowell, Charles Ives, and so on, who we have come to associate with pioneering microtonality in the 20th century. He did get some recognition, though. The government of his home state of San Luis Potosi declared July 13th, of course, as State Day of Honour, and he had the national flag raised over his house. Brilliantly, they even renamed his hometown of Ajualuco in 1913 to Ajualuco del Sonido Trece, and it remained with this name for the next 12 years. They really missed a trick there by not waiting a further year, it seems. Anyhow, the Preludio a Colón is probably his best-known composition, and for a reason, I think. Originally scored for soprano, singing in fifths of a tone, flute, guitar and violin both in quarter tones, octavina, also known as a guitaron, a large bass guitar familiar from mariachi bands, in eighth tones, and a specially built harp in sixteenth tones. A few years after his death, a new version of the work was published, rescored for soprano, flute, string quartet, sixteenth tone harp, and optional quarter-tone guitar, and that's the one you heard in the recording there. It was performed by Mitsuko Shirai, soprano, Ross Wither, stage, flute, Monique Rollin, harp, Bernard Busser and Ronald Hoogeven, violin, Rainer Schattlieben, viola, Frank Wolf, cello, and they were conducted by Juan Pablo Izquierdo. For me, it's rare to hear microtonal music of this era that so successfully creates meaning from such subtle differences in pitch. There's a psychological drive and acuteness behind the piece that so subtly uses these differences as a means of aiding the performance. It's not just musico-scientific experimentation, but a very real sense of drama we hear unfolding between our ears. The album that's from, Jubilee Edition, was released on Capriccio in 2017.
some of what's going on right now, well, nearly, in experimental music within Mexico. That was Marimbula by CNDSD, a pseudonym of Malazin Cortez. She is a multidisciplinary artist, musician, and coder from Mexico City with a background in architecture. And she's produced work across a range of fields, including live coding, generative art, installation, 3D animation, and sound design. That track is taken from her 2020 debut release, In Tongues, and it was made using Tidal Cycles, a live coding environment designed for musical composition and improvisation. In my humble opinion, live coding is always interesting to watch and hear, if not always musically compelling, and the results can be somewhat slapdash, to put it mildly. Hey, that's all part of the aesthetic, I guess. But it's great to hear something with this level of detail and finesse as well. And the buoyancy of the percussion and marimba writing on this track really gets me, I have to say, whilst the rest of the EP is satisfyingly varied and no less impressive. Reminiscent of Orteca and Mark Fell, I'm looking forward to hearing what she releases next. That album, as mentioned, in tongues, was released on Subreal in 2020.
Oof. The self-described monochrome music there of Eusta Janulita. That was Unanime, written in 2020. Combining the aesthetics of minimalism, of spectralism, and electronic music, it's a good indicator of the style she's been exploring through her pieces, and which has brought her increasing recognition over the past few years. Scored for eight trumpets, she tends to favour homogenous groupings of instruments. It shows really well that monochrome quality that she uses as a basis to sculpt something concrete out of seemingly very little, with the instruments treated here like a single body. It's not really minimal though, in the sense of the ism. There's always something subtly different going on, as a few pictures are held and subjected in slow motion to a form of sonic torsion as the various trumpet mutes are applied more or less over time. Whilst changing the sound, this also clarifies pitches that seem to weave slowly in and out of focus. It's music that complicates the perception of time and space, never letting the ear settle on one moment and never really letting us identify with any one particular moment as an event in time. There are no firm handles, for it's always slipping its moorings. It was written for Marco Blau's Monochrome Project, who you heard performing it there. They are Marcus Schwind, Rika Hoy, Matthew Conley, Marco Blau, Nathan Plant, Laura Vukabracevic, Bob Kurtwies, and Christine Chapman. So far unreleased on record, you can see that on Marco Blau's YouTube channel.
that's a fascinating little piece. It's called Praktiksha, and it was written in 2016 by Agidia Merekshaita. She's a composer with a background in both music and textile design, and it's the latter practice which has really fed through into her writing. Each piece she composes being based on the transformation of various textile patterns into musical language. And you can get a real sense of that when listening to this piece with its gradually descending series of weaving sections which seem to unspool as it goes on, as well as with the others on the album from which it's taken. The process involves mapping textile patterns such as white and black grid cells representing the warp and weft onto musical parameters like pitch, duration, dynamics and timbre. She said all her compositions could in essence be titled textile. But the other big influence here is Indian classical music, which I think can be viewed as taking a similarly parametric approach to structuring music. Think of the specificity of time, duration, pitch sets and so on within each individual raga. I get the sense that the borrowing here is more along these organisational lines than more overtly stylistically referential ones, though it may at times be more literal. In any case, the result with this piece, as with others on the album, is music that to me sounds tangibly material, very much fabric in sound, whilst having a simultaneously ethereal quality that results in a fresh voice within the crowded landscape of what we might, I guess, call post-minimalism. It was performed there by Apartment House. They are Gordon McKay, Hilary Sturt, violin, Bridget Carey, viola, Anton Lukovici, cello, Kerry Young, reed organ, Philip Thomas, piano, and Simon Limbrick, percussion. And it's taken from the album Textile that was released on MIC Lithuania in 2017.
magnificently brooding. That's the fourth movement entitled Longings in Perpetual Motion of Giboli Martinetita's 2016 work In Search of Lost Beauty. Described as a textural magician, she's a Lithuanian composer based in New York City whose music often explores the tensions and longings of identity and place, along with the notion of the beautiful, which she calls both a guiding principle and an aesthetic measure for sonic quality. So this seems very much a key work of hers then, an hour-long audiovisual project involving violin, cello, piano, electronics, and visual projections that received two gold medals at the Global Music Awards. Stemming from experiences in and around the cathedral at Notre Dame, she calls it a sequence of audiovisual novellas on the elusive subject of beauty, an attempt to recreate the experience in which time is slowed down in order to transport us into an alternate dimension. The ten movements of the whole run back to back, and along with the projections, it must make for a deeply immersive live experience. But it works very well on record as well, I think, as performed by the Lithuanian piano trio Fort Vio. They are Ingrida Rapueti Petrikinie, violin, Povilis Jakunskas, cello, and Indre Bakstite, piano. And they are accompanied by Jobotle Martinetita on electronics. The album In Search of Lost Beauty was put out on Starkland in 2019.
that must be my favourite musical discovery of this year so far. It's the second movement of Peronius Kutovicius's from the Jotvingian Stone, written in 1983. I played a movement from his earlier classic, Last Pagan Rites, near the start of this show, and this is another seminal work of his, also part of that series of archaic-themed oratorios he wrote around this time. The Jotvingians were a Western Baltic people who lived in the areas of Sudovia and Deneva, corresponding to modern-day Lithuania, along with parts of Poland and Belarus, and who were active through the High and Late Middle Ages, playing a contributing role in the formation of the Lithuanian state. Their decline has apparently been something of a riddle that has been taken up in the explorations of several generations of academics and artists, but which also perhaps achieved a new significance through the works of Bronius Kutovicius as a form of cultural rediscovery and self-determination in an era of Soviet conformist pressure. It's based on lines of poetry written in Jotvingian by the 16th century poet Hieronym Maliki, which are supplemented with texts by Kurtovicius himself. Set in two movements, the first of which is a brilliantly hard-hitting, anarchic and yet tightly structured mix of what sounds like body percussion, flutes parping, juice harps and whistles, with snatches of words being heard here and there. It's all like nothing I've really heard before. As mentioned earlier, I highly recommend the whole album those two works are from. It's called Last Pagan Rites, from the Jotvingian Stone, and it was released on MIC Lithuania in 2019. And it was performed by the Adija Chamber Choir. They were conducted by Romualdus Grazinius, and you heard Virginia Karpovicucci, solo voice, and Amvidus Jankus, Ramina Strolis, Agderius Yelimski, and Thomas Matevicius on wooden folk horns. Well, that is it for now. The Tonic will be back on Wednesday, 19th of April at 1pm, British Summertime, GMT plus one. You no doubt know the drill by now. You can check the show's Instagram page for confirmation, the underscore tonic underscore. And as always, do drop me a message at any point about anything. Well, almost anything, I guess, via Instagram or the tonic dot online. Thank you to Gabe, Rosie, Lee, Freddie, and everyone at Threads for hosting. I'm Luke Fraser. Thanks for listening. <laughs>